Hello everyone, I'm Jamie Bricker and welcome back to Matters of Principle. This podcast continues to discuss many of the key issues principals confront on a regular basis. Now principals have reached this kind of, I always look at it as kind of an unusual time of the school year in which there are what, six, seven weeks to go in the current year, but principals are also very much focusing on this upcoming September. And this kind of professional split personality, it's really a fact of life for all principals in May and June, and it will continue to the very end of this school year. It is now my pleasure to introduce my co-host, Jack Barkley. Thanks, Jamie. It's, it, it is hard to believe that the end of the year is near and upon us, and glad to join you for another podcast. So, Jack, thinking back when you were principal, what was your mindset at this time of year, and how did you really that kind of delicate balance of the immediate, and there's lots of stuff the next four or six weeks, we all know that, but how did you balance the immediate concerns with the longer-term vision for the school? Uh, it's a great question, Jamie, and, and I'll start with the notion that balancing immediate needs with long-term thoughts and planning is, is integral to school leadership at any point in the school year, but it really is, as you say, magnified at this time of the year. To me, the reality of the year ending brings some key thresholds, budget, staffing, enrollment as examples, and, and these need to be monitored closely, and, and you certainly need to have an awareness of them. But I also think that the whole idea of the summer break coming up, where we would be as school leaders away from the school for six to eight weeks, always left me with that need to get the longer term things accomplished, such as timetables, duty schedules. And I know we'll talk about this stuff, but because we all know how busy startup is in September for everyone. So you really want to have these pieces in place for your staff. Some key points, Jack. No question about it. To me, like the bottom line is, this is a very important time of year for every school and offering tips to principals on effectively transitioning to next year. That'll be our focus for today's podcast. Now, Jamie, for the next few minutes, let's assume that the principal is remaining at his or her school for the uh, 22-23 school year. We'll address possible principal movement to another location at the end of the podcast. So in terms of staffing, the, the reality, Jamie, at this time of year, I think, is that in terms of staffing, principals need to address both arrivals of new people or returns and departures uh, of staff. So let's say in terms of arrivals, as an example, you may be welcoming, welcoming in a new administrative partner, an, a, a new vice principal. And there's all kinds of things to keep in mind uh, with that. Uh, and timing being of the, the most most important in, in your communication and so on. But but that's going to be your next person uh, that will be working very closely with you. So you want to you wanna make sure that that goes right. The other piece is, is the whole idea, Jamie, of, of hirings. Like, and, and keeping in mind, this is the time of year when you know your numbers start to uh, filter out and play out, and the board is letting you know, you know, how many LTO teachers you're going to hire, uh, if any, and, and how many you may get as permanent. Now, that, that that permanent question is usually answered later in June between you know, mid-June to the end of June, in my experience. But that becomes a really important piece for school leaders. And, of course, in terms of incoming uh, staff, there, of course, are lateral moves. And different boards across the province would have different kind of transfer rounds uh, in terms of different logistics. 
but it's all kind of basically shuffling the deck within the board. So you're getting teacher X from another school. Uh, and I think it's important, I guess looking back to really a, a couple of months ago, this comment's a bit late in the game, I guess, but hopefully in the transfer rounds, principals, you've done your homework and you've really sought out respected colleagues. And if you've got a grade two or a grade five position that's open for whatever reason, when it came to those transfer rounds, you really quote unquote did your homework once again and you were not the least bit influenced by oh somebody you know their best friend or somebody's husband or somebody's wife or so and so is a great guy so his wife must be a great fit or vice versa like it, it can't be based on any of that kind of stuff you really have to do your homework and really get it from kind of uh, informed sources that this person is a solid solid educator and maybe equally importantly will be a really good fit on your staff and in your school and also, I think when it's, we get into kind of um, people who are incoming to the staff this year, they also could, of course, be returning. And they could be returning from a leave. And, of course, those leaves could be for a whole wide variety of uh, reasons. And I think it's, as we're talking about it, I think the situation I've, I've had, and, and you may well have had too, Jack, it's sometimes you get someone returning from a leave, which might, be for, might have been for multiple years for whatever reason. So the person returning from the leave may be brand new to you. If you've been at the school now for say a year, they've been on a leave for two years, even though you're well known in the school community, the two of you have never really uh, you know, met or certainly not worked together. So you, you have to kind of really be welcoming and cultivate that relationship in a special way I found. Yeah, Jamie, that's also true. And, and you know, I think when I listen to you describe those situations, uh, that communication of of people arriving at your school is so key you have a you have a small window where you want the message to come from the school leader rather than people hearing through the grapevine or hearing from other sources and, and so on so you really want to uh, try to make that as a positive a welcome or goodbye as a departure as you possibly can but making sure that you're carrying that that message and and I couldn't agree more your comment about doing your homework I mean, to me, the relationships we as school leaders built with our staff really pays dividends down the road if we've had a good teacher that we might connect with again in another place. And, and then trusting your colleagues as well in, in uh, you know, we say other principals in, in terms of whether a candidate is really, really good. I think those were uh, thoughts I had in, in the back of my mind when we were as you say, doing our homework on staff. Now, it's important, Jamie, to keep other new staff members in mind as well. Uh, so we, we think of teaching staff, but but we can have uh, ECEs, we can have EAs, we can have uh, custodial uh, team members, or your secretary for that matter, that might be making changes, you know, uh, and so on. So that is the same thing applies with communication, but you want to make sure that you're getting or that you have a, uh, a lead in the best possible person to replace those those people. This time of year, I, it always struck me, I mean, we as school leaders, we can be hiring at any time, but this was the busiest time right now, to me, June into the summer, and so on and that. And, and on that note, one of the things that, that our board did, and, and I'm sure it's done in other boards, to, to make it more equitable in the hiring process, both for the school leader but also for the candidates was to have what we called a bit of a moratorium on hiring in the summer. So for example, 
from you know the last two weeks of June through the first two weeks of August so that everybody got their holiday and principals and leaders weren't competing with one another to get that quality candidate. Just to clarify, instead of you, you mean the last few weeks of July and Sorry, the first few weeks of August. Right, Jamie. Clarify. Thank, thank you for that. Yeah. The last few weeks of July. So you had that four-week window where you just didn't do any of that hiring uh, and, and so on. And I, I always thought that was fair because it took some of that pressure or competition off uh, to get that, that quality person. Now, once the end of August rolled around, it opened up again and and you and uh, the game was back on shall we say the, all of this t is to keep in mind that when when at this time of year when you're planning for next year and and teaching assignments are are uh, first being communicated to staff just that um, key point of letting your staff know that all teaching assignments are tentative uh, and, and I think staff knows they're going to hear this from you and, and they have that idea that things can change right up to the end of September. Well, and I think too, they, whether they're going to have say a four or five split or a five or a four or whatever, that's very much fluid and there's a lot of balls in play. And as you say, that's tentative. Uh, and I, I think it's just important that they, that's where I think it's a real challenge with incoming staff because they don't have that familiarity and trust kind of, you know, built with you necessarily. But I think to kind of be as for leaders to be as transparent as possible and keep people in the loop as as fresh information as possible. But as you say, it's so important to understand that yes, things can always change a bit or a fair little bit between now and the end of September. And and of course, just so we as we can have arrivals, well, obviously principals have to very much deal with staff departures. And there's obviously some kind of similarity as they can certainly be lateral moves where you've you've lost a teacher in the transfer rounds and I think it's really important for for principals to encourage uh, people to uh, seek different opportunities if they're so inclined and they may wish a different school experience a different grade a different division that may be driven by geography whatever the case may be we need to be supportive of that and of course we can also uh, have various staff members going off on leaves for a variety of reasons and once again we're very supportive of that and of course the difference is in terms of arrivals and departures departures can be permanent in the sense they can be retirements of course and Jack I always think back as a, as a school leader when it came to anyone in the building retiring I think there's a there's a public and a private acknowledgement and I think it's important as the leader to find that time and I know it's busy but to find those five or ten or fifteen minutes in June to have that private conversation with that person and uh, very much at a personal level and uh, thank them for all of their contributions to the school, etc. I think people greatly appreciate that and it's, I think it's frankly very much necessary. But then of course there's the public acknowledgement and now with uh, COVID restrictions at least relaxing somewhat, I think these acknowledgements will be more kind of traditional uh, this school year. But whether it's uh, at a staff function at the end of June or a school-wide assembly, whatever the case may be, I really think it's important for the, the principal to, to very much be leading the public acknowledgement of uh, departing staff. Because you and I have talked about this many times over the years, and we've been on both ends of this as staff members, etc. We get it that boy, oh boy, other staff notice how the principal acknowledges or frankly does not appropriately acknowledge departing staff. Either way, it either leaves a really positive vibe in the building and people are thinking, hey, that's how, you know, that's how I'll be acknowledged or respected or valued whenever I happen to leave versus, boy, 
that person wasn't treated appropriately, they were kind of ignored, their contributions were minimized, that leaves a bad taste in people's mouths. Well, Jamie, these are all great points, and I often think of that final assembly, that final June assembly of the year, where you, you get to do those things like saying goodbye to people, uh, you know, recognizing people and so on. Um, you make really good point there on, on the whole topic of retirements with your staff. Uh, and, and really, quite quite honestly, if, if in, they're leaving for any reason, I always found it, in, uh, my approach uh, was to, to talk privately to that person. How did you want to, you know, be recognized because some people let's face it don't necessarily want the limelight they they might want to be leaving quietly and be recognized in a, in a school news that is an excellent point that is right? an excellent I, I haven't thought yeah. that's an excellent point Jeff because also think about it it's it's it completely parallels how some people when they retire from any position they want like a public retirement that's posted on the board Right, you know, right. you know, website or whatever. Other people wanted to part quietly, and you raise an excellent point. Well, that same kind of difference would apply at the school. That's an excellent point. Yeah, but it, but it, just like you said, though, that asking or that checking in with the staff member, that word gets around. Uh, you know that I was consulted or I wasn't even asked. You know, so you you really have to be cognizant of that as as that school leader, as as you've said. So I like this this idea of. You know, in recognition to being equitable with everybody on your staff, yet flexible. And and I think I you know we use the example you and I've talked about somebody who's been at the school for three years as opposed to somebody who's been there for fifteen years. Uh, that's that might be a different kind of recognition. Again, depending on what the the people want and. You know, you think of their contribution and their impact to the school as well. Um, that that yet you, you have to keep that in mind. And Jamie, the last thing it just makes me think is you don't want to forget anybody because your chance to go back and redo that or fix that it's awkward. You know, uh, if you have to. Do oh no, that. there's no there's no quality redo. Right. If the ball is dropped in that one, it is dropped. Yeah, and now, not forgotten. Right. So now, Jamie, in terms of students. You know, there's lots of things to think about too as we approach the end of the year and are planning for the next year. This is the time of year where we're confirming move outs. I think in our newsletters we've asked, we put messages out to families, or if it comes up in conversation, you want to confirm who's leaving uh, and uh, just so that your numbers can be accurate. Uh, for next year and, and your needs as well. Um, you know, you think of special needs students who might be coming in or leaving. That's going to affect your EA allocation. So these are this is a really important time of year for this to, to know what's going on. Now, like you, I always probably heard a student would come to school and tell the teacher, hey, I'm moving. We always like to hear it from the family because it's it's that information can get jumbled or blurred and it might not always be true. So you want that, that direct contact with the parent with that. And, you know, students drive the numbers of teachers that we're gonna need, right? Our, our enrollment, that's an obvious fact, but this is always a time of year too when people are thinking about next year, families, students, the teachers, but requests for next year's teachers must be submitted to the school, the office in good time in writing. So in writing, I think is key, so in you, writing. And, and this is where email is great, Jamie, because you have it's time stamped and you're you're good. And usually we said by the 1st of June, um, you know, and, and so on. That, and we, we also shared with our, our community that the final decision 
as to where kids are actually placed rests with the school. And and we said we said uh, you know that teachers they're the experts in this area. They know the students well and best in most cases and should have a say in that. So uh, ultimate decisions need to be made by the school team. And friends are not a valid reason. And right, right. every year, you know, somebody coming in, well, my child doesn't know too many in that class. Well, let's face it. One of the key social benefits of school is, is making new friends. I mean, that that's reality. And your old friends are always there at recess, etc. And as we well know, Jack, in terms of getting classes and the different uh, compositions of, of students in a given class, that takes a lot of time and effort by the school team. It's not done willy-nilly. It's not some quick thing. It's certainly not done by the principal in isolation, like far from it. But if we start getting into changes in September where the, the, the parent says, well, I want my child in this class or that class, as principal boy, those were done extremely, extremely infrequently. Those That was a rare occurrence in any school I was involved in as an administrator, uh, simply because it's a very slippery slope. When you start changing one student in September, then all of a sudden you've got four or five other families are saying, hey, wait a second, what about us? Whatever the case may be. and. It's to me a classic example of where kind of pacifying a family in the short term is kind of a quote unquote short term gain, uh, or at least it can be considered that I guess, uh, falsely. But boy oh boy, that, that temporary kind of appeasement can, it can trigger a lot of long term pain for the administrator as other families aren't happy. And also it really, from the, I guess from parents point of view and, and teachers point of view, those kind of caving in really make the, the admin look wishy-washy and frankly indecisive and weak. So any kind of movement of kids in September, boy, I would do that very, very rarely. Right, Jane. That's a, those are great points and, and the timing as you speak there couldn't be more important and, and the way you do that and the frequency you do that. That's so, so key. It does make me think, you know, the other side a little bit of that is that clear disconnects between a teacher and a student or a teacher and family need to be addressed uh, early in that class construction process because we don't also don't want to have a year that's that's putting a teacher or a student in a really tough spot either so you know you get to know that and you, you try to work that piece out discreetly as well so that you minimize your, your challenge. Right but uh, you we work those things out in detail in June. Right. Absolutely. And that's why we need a written request by whatever date your school has, typically like end of May, June 1st. We need that information because I agree, we want to set both the child and the teachers, et cetera, up for a positive, productive year. But that information is discussed in June, uh, you know, rather than mid-September. Now, in terms of promotion meetings, and I know you and I have talked about them many times over the years, we have a little, a little different take on this. And I think it's good to have certainly a, a variety of views brought forward. I was always a believer that I, I like the process uh, transparent and inclusive and I very much wanted obviously the sending teachers from the present year involved obviously but also made sure the receiving teachers where the child was going for the fall were also uh, invited and most welcome to attend. They didn't all but the vast majority did um, 
and, and I, like I say, I just wanted that kind of inclusivity and kind of have the air open and clear uh, as we were putting these classes together. Yeah, and Jamie, in many cases, I, I agree with that, as you know, and we've had the discussion, but in, in my experience, I've had situations where we had large numbers of classes at a given grade. One situation, we had a half a dozen kindergarten classes that were being uh, divvied up and senior kindergarten students were going to grade one. So you could end up with uh, as, as many as a dozen teachers at the promotion meeting, both sending and receiving. And uh, I, I looked at that sometimes that it would slow the process. There could be too many cooks in the kitchen in making those decisions. So we used the sending teachers in that case and, uh, and communicated our reasoning to keep the transparency. But it, it could get into uh, teachers teaming up and putting uh, kids, in, you know, in a class to make it easier for, say, a, a colleague who was a good friend and so on and that. Especially as I was arriving as a new administrator and getting the lay of the land uh, there. But different situation. No, excellent point, Jack. Excellent point. Uh, you can certainly have a, a very crowded kitchen if you have a large school. Uh, so, yeah, as I said, I think it's important, once again, as we've said the past uh, 10 or, you know, I guess nine, ten months now, is principals working with their staffs and their school community, you know your school best. No doubt about it. Well, I think it's also in any school the old issue of split grades, uh, especially in smaller schools. The reality is split grades are fairly common. But I mean, I'm, and I'm sorry I'm playing Captain Obvious, but I think it's important to always, as administrators, keep in mind that for students, ideally they're not in splits in back-to-back -back years. Uh, so try to spread, spread the wealth around, so to speak. But also in terms of staff, if a staff member really likes a split for a given reason and, they, and it's worked out well, that's great. That's continue. That's great. But in general, we try to share the splits both in terms of students and staff. Well, it's so true, Jamie. And I, I think of this. There's probably the 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 biggest request I got was for students to avoid split grades, especially the the higher grade. But you know, we often uh, our, our board developed good communication around this to help administrators communicate with families. But let's face it, my belief that life is a split grade. I mean, I think of my daughter working in, you know, in, in her job where she would be start as a, uh, uh, a younger grade in high school working with kids who were going to graduate. There'd be a difference of four or five years on that team at her job. And, and so people had to learn to work with different ability levels. The veteran worker with the one just starting and you know, many times it was an opportunity for older kids to be leaders in split grades, but life's a split grade. Oh, well said. I, I love the analogy, Jack. And the bottom line is you got to learn to work with a variety of people, a variety of teachers, and having older and younger kids in the class can really enrich the learning experience. But I want to stress, too, that there's often this misconception, oh, if you're in a four or five split, well, then every kid is getting the kind of this modified grade four and a half curriculum or some nonsense like that. Not the case. We're still driven by very distinct provincial curricula, but we are just in a physical situation with say two grades together, but it can be a very positive experience. But once again, I think kids should have it at different times and you know, not two or three years in a row certainly, uh, nor staff. Right, Jamie, I completely agree with you on that point and it's, it's certainly something to consider. One other point uh, as we're 
as we're learning about our new kids and our numbers who will be in our building is the whole idea around students with special needs and, and I think of students with high needs right now again it's a time of movement for them from school to school at, at this time of year and going to next year but that high needs intake plan and plan needs to be understood and that package needs to be in with the board so that the proper supports and uh, accommodations modifications can be put in place for next year because no parent really wants that anxiety over the summer let alone parents of students with special needs wondering how is my child going to be supported next year um, what will it look like so it's really important to begin these new relationships prepared and proactive as the student as you become aware of the student uh, being uh, being in your building very true and also at this time of year I didn't find it happen often but there's always a parent or two who who would kind of come by the office in June and basically they would ask for their child to be retained in their present grade they'd say they were struggling and uh, they felt like repeating the grade would really help them well of course we'd have the discussion about the any academic gain which repeating a grade which frankly is questionable and and this the the negative socially which I think are very clear of, of staying in a grade for two years etc cetera, etc cetera. and we kind of work our way through that but ultimately I think it was all about really kind of clarifying for a parent no we're not, I'm certainly not recommending your child repeats the grades uh, so to speak but it very much that conversation can trigger additional support for your child uh, to varying degrees. So I think those those discussions are, are really important and help parents get a real sense of uh, you know what's out there in terms of supporting their child moving forward rather than than simply that decades-old attitude oh well geez let's just repeat the grade. Uh, and also Jack as we're kind of wrapping up this section th this notion of our numbers of, for your for obviously for your school enrollment then how you divvy it up for given classes obviously for years now it's all been done on uh, online so the board and the, and the given school are very, up, up to the second frankly are very well aware of what your numbers look like so if your numbers uh, principals in certain grades are looking high and you think boy those classes are busting at the seams or if some numbers look really low and you think boy these would be wonderful but they'll never hold you're right they're not going to hold so you have to kind of in the back of your mind realize the board's not going to do anything with them or make any uh, staffing related moves at this time of year more than likely but boy by mid-September uh, some moves may be triggered so I think as a leader you've always got that kind of in the back of your mind and Jamie th those are great points things that we need to think about uh, as far as our numbers go uh, as we move towards September now principals we're going to turn to another section principals really also must address important financial issues at this time of the, the school year. Um, by now, your fi final requests and your purchases should really all be made. You're not making big purchases at the end of the year. Secondly, they should be equitable across grades and divisions where you haven't forgotten a group or, or something that they might need. But also keeping in mind that you're, you should really be leaving about that 5 to 10% buffer in your summer budget. Uh, for things that are going to come up over the summer like the mail getting picked up at your school that costs money and and also for things to start up the year because as we know uh, it's, it's a little bit of time before we get our money for the next year. Now you raise an excellent point that the new budget isn't triggered until latter September and no superintendent 
There's no doubt about it, and I don't blame them. No superintendent wants to see uh, that you've ended the previous school year in the hole. Uh, and from a practical point of view, if you do, then you literally are starting next year kind of behind the starting line. It's like a staggered start. You're X hundred dollars or whatever behind, and that's kind of with you all of next year. Now, by the same token, Jack, though, I think it's important to stress that if you overdo it the other way, and if you finish the school year and you have a very high remaining balance, you know, on the plus side of the ledger, on the one hand, you might think, oh, great. But if, it's, if that's excessive, that's also going to trigger a conversation with the superintendent because obviously the funds allocated to your school are meant to be spent on the students for that given school year. Unless, of course, there's certain situations where everyone's well aware you're withholding money for two or three years working on some particular significant project. But that needs to be discussed. Right, Jane. Those are those are great points to, to keep in mind uh, around budget. Now, another thing we think about at this time of year is is scheduling, timetabling, etc. And I think we both agree that staff really deserve to have that input and I think it's expected on next year's timetables and duty schedules uh, and, and also receive them in good time uh, by the end of this school year. It was always, I think both of us had that practice of getting them out to staff uh, before we left for the summer uh, and, and so on. It, it, it's just, it's a, it's, a, it's a courtesy if you can do it, but it also shows that you are, are planning well uh, for the next year. Oh, absolutely. I think, it's, I think it's essential that people know when they leave at the end of June or whatever, uh, in terms of duty and timetable, I, I think they should have a copy with the understanding there may be some slight tweaking, but I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and as you say, let's be equitable and let's uh, uh, say with duty schedule, let's, let's honor preferences whenever possible. If somebody does a lot of coaching after school and they want lunch hour or earlier morning, you know, yard duties or things of that nature, let, like for Pete's sake, let's honor them. Right, Jamie, and that all comes with input from the staff to you. So I, I think that's that's uh, another great point uh, and a reason for that. Now we also have to remember too with scheduling that that our educational assistants are going to be on a bit of a different schedule. Um, they're it, depending the we get our allocations at this time of year so we know how many EAs we're going to have and and generally who they're going to support and our needs. So we want to if we have new students coming in we want to get those requests for next year in as soon as possible so you have that support to put in place uh, and you're not scrambling in September and pulling EAs uh, and using them uh, you know taking them away from other people who might have needs. Transition plans as well Jamie usually take place at this time of year uh, as well for students with special needs so that again we talk about planning in place so they may have seen their classroom for next year and and perhaps met their teacher for next year uh, that's that's really really important for for uh, those students and for their families well and also and certainly at, at, at this time of year principals are finalizing the first draft and I want to stress first uh, draft of the school plan uh, as an old superintendent of mine used to always say, these the school plans are breathe, uh, breathing, living and breathing, excuse me, living and breathing documents, and they should always be written kind of quote unquote in pencil uh, rather than pen because they're, they're going to be changing as the year evolves. Uh, but also I think more and more boards are getting into the notion that the, the first draft is to be shared for, with principals in an area and their superintendent in early July. It's not something that first appeared in the superintendent's desk like in the fall. So I think it's important to get that very much in place. Now, Jack, so much of the principal's time, and frankly, almost all of our 
a discussion at this point, has been devoted to the different stakeholders, the kind of the human aspect of this time of year. But let's face it, they, they also must, we also as administrators must also consider the needs of the school building itself over the summer. Right, Jamie, and, and this is where things such as the community use of schools plan is really important to have filled out. Again, you want to know generally when your key dates are going to be, when the building is going to be in use. Um, you're going to confirm any summer camps or sharing of the building that might be done over the holidays. And, and those requests can certainly come in last minute and, and uh, in June, and, and you want to be ready for that. And then schools, uh, as we know, uh, we've been in buildings where there's been construction that's gone on that will be done at your school over the summer, and it might impact access to that school uh, for for staff and for yourself. Well, and along that line, it's important, and there's no excuse now, frankly, with uh, all the technology available to for administrators over the summer to let staff know of the availability of the school, but to also, even if there's no construction, but be respectful of the work the custodial team needs to do to clean the building um, over the summer. Uh, so, you know, we can't have uh, kind of staff trudging in and out all summer if they're, uh, you know, working on the floors or waxing or whatever the case may be. So bottom line is be respectful to all and keep everyone informed as best you can. Now, as mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we all know that principals can also be moved to a new school. So as we're wrapping things up, we're briefly going to look at that kind of scenario where as the administrator, you are, have found out or are very soon going to find out that you'll be relocating come uh, the fall. And of course, this is a time of year where those decisions are made by the board. And Jack, I think I just think it is so important when you get the quote-unquote call that you'll be going to a new school. Chances are the call is not a total surprise. Uh, but even if it is, and even if your uh, new destination is not exactly you know, what you, you kind of had in mind, handle that call with positivity and grace. And I think it really, once again, kind of reinforces kind of the, the image that you want uh, you know, from your superintendent, like with, with your superintendent, how they think of you. And also I think it's important that right off the bat, like when you go to your new school, to really exude that positivity that, hey, I'm glad to be here. I'm really looking forward to it. This will be great. You know, rather than kind of playing the Debbie Downer card. No, no, nobody wants that. that. That doesn't help anyone. And it certainly doesn't help the administrator. And the second part of this, Jack, a huge thing, and once again, you and I have talked about it many times, is when you get the call, your staff, your present staff is top priority. They tr trump everyone else in terms of letting them know so the next morning at school, uh, I would always just kind of call what I call, you know, the standing staff meeting or the mini staff meeting at morning recess and just let people know face to face. I always felt they deserved that. Right, Jamie. And these are, these are great points because you've, you've got to be open and transparent and timely in communication with these important pieces. You know, I also think that you want to withhold this information of where you might be moving uh, to the until the June newsletter with your greater community. Um, you want to contact. Oh, and also for students, like keep it from students till then. Right, and you want to contact your new school's present principal and vice principal within a few days. 
Um, and you may very well be invited for a tour and uh, or a year-end event or two, um, you know, from announcement time, which is right about now until till the end of the year. And we're going to info for another podcast. We don't have room for it today, but that whole idea of an entry plan uh, when you're starting somewhere new is, uh, is, is an important topic to, to discuss. Oh, it's, it's huge. Absolutely. But no doubt about it, Jack, uh, an entry plan for an incoming principal to a new school that, as you say, that's a podcast unto itself as today's podcast on transitioning really just lays what I would say is the foundation uh, for a principal developing and implementing his or her actual entry plan. If in fact they are changing schools, uh, this fall. Well, thanks as always for joining us today and a reminder that if you have any questions or comments, please email us at affectiveleadership at gmail.com. And Jamie, we encourage our listeners to share our podcast with other school leaders and a reminder to follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And we look forward to connecting with you again in two weeks on Matters of Principles.